Thank you, Michiel. Good morning, everybody. How you all doing? Yeah? There's one or two people who are good. Okay. Good. Well, then, to help you feel a bit better, there's a Valentine's Day gift on your chair. Please feel free to munch on those little gifts now. So, happy Valentine's Day for tomorrow. Some, some of us may be like, is Valentine's Day tomorrow? Okay, you're welcome. Um, yeah, too late. <laughs> um, yeah, Justine, thanks for organizing those. And um, yeah, if you're a guest, also, welcome. Uh, it's good to have you with us. My name is Matt, and uh, one of the leaders here. And so, yeah, I hope that you feel welcome at home and can enjoy some, some chocolate at the very least and some good coffee. I think our coffee's not too bad here. Um, can you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? Verse 24 to 27. Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. I do want to encourage you to get your eyes on it. Cell phone, paper, whatever it is. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Jesus is teaching. It's at the end of a long series of teaching. Famous Sermon on the Mount. And he lands like this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Depending on the translation, another one says, and great was the fall of the house. Now, does anybody have a little Sunday school song that's popped up into their heads? Anyone? Yeah. As I've been prepping this whole week, I've been singing that confounded song. And the rains came down and the floods came up. And, and, and how often have we heard this whether it's in song or maybe, you know, Sunday school. I don't know that I've ever heard it preached, but I've certainly heard it brought up. And I don't know about you, but has, you know, familiarity ever led to decreased impact for you? You know, we've heard it so many times that it's kind of like, okay, that's nice. Gotcha. And? And, and I kind of want to say like, no, this is what we're doing today. It's these four verses. I'm going to press pause here, a little bit of rewind, and I'm going to read it again. This is Jesus speaking. He has something in mind. He has a goal in mind. There is intent. There is purpose. And surely it's not for us to say, okay, yeah, that's nice, gotcha, house on the rock. Okay, let's, let's read it again and just let this sink in. Jesus, please speak to us. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I really want to take these four verses, and I want us to sink into them, let them sink into us. Let's, let's get this. So I really want to approach this in two ways. One, I want to look at the analogy. Let's get some full meaning out of this. Let's just not let it wash over us, and then I want to... Try and get some application and, and really massage the sin. What do I do? Because surely Jesus said, I mean, here, if you do not put them into practice, we can go and say, oh, that was a lovely series of verses. And we are like the foolish man. Let's, let's be wise and let's apply. So let's look at the analogy. So Jesus is talking to, and the verse says, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine. So there's no like, well, this is for the Pharisees. Oh, this is for them, not for me. No, everyone, we all hear the words of Jesus. And so then he talks about, we've got two people, they're building 
houses. They're building their lives. We're making something of our lives. We're getting on with our lives. We're both building houses. We're not told that one house is nice or not nice or big or small. We're both building houses. But the foundations are the difference. And so the one is built on the rock. And how do you build your foundations on the rock? You put into practice what Jesus teaches. Or you can build your house on the sand. You're still building a house. And how do you build in the sand? You don't put into practice the words of Jesus. Up until this point, things are looking quite the same. But when the storm comes, the rains come down from top. The floods come up from underneath and the winds come from the side. Every angle you look from, there's a storm coming. Now, what does the storm represent? Surely the storm at least, the very least, represents hardships and difficulties in life. You know, what is your life built on? Are you, are you a resilient kind of person? What does Jesus mean a little bit more than your standard resilience? In the Bible, very often, floods represent the judgments of God. It's getting a little bit heavy, Matt. Okay? If you, if you just go back to the Sermon on the Mount, and the last few kind of teachings that Jesus has done, he's talking about a great judgment day. And it's central to the Christian belief. It's core. It's part of what we believe, that one day God will come on a day and give to everyone what is due to them for the things that they have done. Now, if that sounds like, whoa, fire and brimstone, if you're a guest, I really am happy that you've come, okay? And this is not the standard, like, I would much rather teach something that's nice and encouraging, you know, like, yay, and then people can come and say, thanks, Matt, that was great, rather than, it's a heavy. I have, I have felt the heaviness of this passage this week. I think more than I've ever felt the heaviness. Jesus, I believe, is teaching something strong here. And so the flood, the judgments of God will come one day. Judgment is good. Most of us want justice. We look at injustice and we're like, that is wrong. All those people, that is wrong. Yes, they will receive what is due for them. That's good. But it's also bad because none of us can stand in this flood unless we build on the rock. Now, I want to show you that this is not just my personality. This is not just Matt's. So from here on out, I'm actually going to give a number of quotes. I'm going to lean on a number of people who are much more mature in the faith. I think they're much more worth listening to. I don't want you to think, well, that's just, it's just a heavy Matt personality. I'd much rather be light. So I'm going to start off with Michael Eaton. The storm, storms picture the times when God acts to judge or bless us, both in this life and in the final judgment. Matthew Henry Puritan says, there is a storm coming that will try what our hopes are bottomed on. It's going to test what you are resting on. It will try every man's work. We'll discover the foundation. Rains, floods, and wind will beat upon the house. The trial is sometimes in this world when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word. Then it will be seen who only heard the word and who heard and practiced it. Then we will have occasion to use our hopes. It will be tried whether they were right and well-grounded or not. However, when death and judgment come, then the storm comes. And it will undoubtedly come. How calm soever things may be with us now. Then everything else will fail us but these hopes. And then if ever they will be turned into everlasting fruition. And so both of these men are saying there is an ultimate judgment to come one day and your life will be evaluated and will you stand will your life stand will your house stand or will it not i think jesus is teaching here with eternal perspective in mind this is not a you know fridge magnet little encouragement for the day you know at the bottom of your diary when they've got those little inspirational quotes this is not the inspirational quote for the day. This is standing back and saying, in the big scheme of things, 
when everything else fades away, what will really matter? Are you building your life towards that? Or are you not? Am I not? Or am I? And I think for many of us Christians, there are parts of our lives where we say, yes, I'm building towards Christ. And there are parts of our lives where maybe we don't even notice But I'm putting my trust in other things other than Christ. And those things are going to fall. And so what I would love to do now is say, all right, we've got this analogy. I'm building my life. I'm building my house. What foundation am I building on? Because a storm is coming, whether in this life or ultimately one day. Will my life stand? I now need to turn to application. You see, I'm reading my Bible in the mornings. And I say, well, this is very nice. Okay, cool. Uh, done. Moving on. I can't do that. I, I must turn this to myself and analyze. I must say, how am I doing? Where am I building? Am I building on sand, on things eternal, on Christ the rock? Where is this going? And so the first thing I, I must acknowledge is that I am a product of my culture. I'm a product of my upbringing. I'm a product of my personality in many ways. We are all products of our culture. Your environment has shaped you from zero to six and six to 10 and junior school and high school and university and terrible relationships and good parenting and bad parenting. We're all the products of those things. And so we have natural ways of seeing the world. We have natural default Settings, And if we don't pay attention to those, we're just going to end up default building our house on the sand. For some generations, maybe those old movies that you watch, you know, country and your people was everything. You would lay down your life for your country and for your people. And there may be a time for that. That's good. But if that's what you build your life on, I'm going to make that the foundation on which my life is built. That culture, that upbringing, that way of seeing the world is very easily going to make you build your house on the sand. And it will not stand. Maybe I've certainly heard some people say family is everything. No, I, I'm, I think family is important. It is. But is family everything? If that foundation gets ripped out from under your house, will it stand? Will it not? One day when God evaluates your life and what you have done, is that worthy of eternity or that fade? For some message, the culture has told us you need to be educated, you need to get a good job, you need to work your way up, and your life is nothing unless you have done that. And so we can we can take good things and we can make them ultimate things. Do I want to educate my kids? Yes. Do I want to be educated? Yes, is that a good idea? I think that's a good idea. Is that everything? No. Can you see the difference? If you're going to build your life on educated and money and hierarchy and I'm going to get up and I'm going to succeed and I got the car and I got whatever the thing is. And then one day when your life is required from you, is that eternal? Is that going to last into eternity? Or will it not? A very loud voice in our culture, very loud voice, tells us that sexual fulfillment and identity is prime, it's core, it's number one. And we, we kind of just grew up with songs and music and magazines, if you even get that anymore, I don't know, online, whatever it is. And that just constantly tells us sexual fulfillment and satisfaction is the feel and the end all. And one day when your life is required of you, you've built your life on that. Is that going to stand? Sure. And so whatever it may be, we're all, we're all building our lives, aren't we? We're building our houses. What are we building it on? We're all looking for meaning and fulfillment in something. Michael Eaton, once again, talks about the foolish person. And he says, he's in a hurry to get the good things of life. He does not bother with any foundation. He wants pleasures and blessing and God's help to make sure that he gets them. Isn't that interesting? We we use God to get the things that we want. 
He fails to build on a good foundation because of his carelessness and his thoughtlessness. He does not want to bother about ways of serving God and is too self-centered to think about loving ways or persisting in faith or withstanding temptations. He takes no notice of advice. He is a fool. He wants a house, but takes no trouble to have one that endures. Right? I want a life. Am I taking the trouble to see that it will endure? Matthew Henry says, Many never mind this. It's the furthest thing from their thoughts. They are building for this world as if they were to be here always. But take no care to build for another world. Kind of feels a bit like a heavy. And so, on one hand, I want to encourage us to evaluate. Evaluate your life. Now, we haven't set up people to bring scriptures this morning and visions. We haven't told them this is what you must do. Let's shake the meeting. They brought those up themselves. I believe the Lord has spoken to them. I believe God's wanting to say something to us. I believe these things tie in. I think God has brought us into this season. It's good to take stock sometimes. It's good to evaluate sometimes. And so I don't want you to hear a heavy I must do, I must do, I must do. That's not what we're saying. Because some of us may evaluate and say, actually, I think I'm still on the right track. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to say, you are on the right track. Great. Keep going. Because at one point, at least once, sometime, you're going to feel, is this really worth it? This is a lot of effort. This is a lot of sacrifice. Yes, it is. It's worth it. Well done. Keep going. And for some of us might say, no, I've... I've wandered off track here at some point. And I want to encourage you and say, okay, cool. Let's, let's take stock. Can you see? Can you, where, where is it? Okay. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? How can we help? How can we encourage you? What can we do to make sure that we are directing our lives towards building on the rock of Jesus? I'm going to cycle back again. What causes us to build on the sand? What causes us to not build on the rock? Sometimes, Michael Eaton says, it's thoughtlessness. Right? I just haven't paid attention to my life. Yeah. I've just got on with things. I just kind of, you know, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? I mean, I'm not supposed to just get a job, get married, have kids, do the thing, get the house, get the car, pay the mortgage. No, no, no. Is that not just what we're supposed to do? Oh, no, not necessarily, no. Selfishness is another reason. Right? I, I, want, I want this life. I want it to be this way. This is what I want. I want wealth and I want this family relationship and I want this education. I, I want, now those things might not, is money bad? No, but if you build your life on it as a foundation, and that's not gonna help. And all, all of these things, they can be legitimate but they move into realms of illegitimacy. They go from a place where God has given them as gifts and we've made those into our little mini gods. Pride can be another reason, right? I know, I think I'm actually doing pretty well. Yes, no, my life will stand. Absolutely, my life's gonna stand. I'm not like them, but my, my life will stand for sure. I'm a good person. Martin Luther, I think, disagrees with us. In fact, he uses the example of monks and priests. You know, spiritual people. If anyone's going to get to heaven, monks and priests are right up there. Martin Luther says, Well, thus all the monks and priests and all that claimed to be holy that were ever saved had to creep out of their hoods. And all they were, you know those monk hoods? You've got to creep out of that and cling to Christ. Although it went very hard for them, for it's very difficult for a man who spent his whole life, or a woman who spent her whole life in this self-made holiness and has depended upon it to tear themselves loose from it in an hour and cast themselves upon Christ. Therefore, Jesus warns and exhorts us to lay hold of and practice te his teaching whilst we have the time before the agonies overtake us. 
It's a good season of evaluating our lives. What are we building on? How are things going? Where am I going? What am I putting my efforts into? How can we build on Christ? How can I build my life on the rock? How can I put my house on the rock? Michael Eaton, once again, I did say I was going to quote a lot, right? So this is definitely not Matt's great ideas. Michael Eaton says, we need to make it a habit to firmly hold onto what God says to us. It will not happen unless we decide to make it happen. Retaining what God says is a matter of taking particular note of what God tells us to do. Then it must be a matter of prayer and a matter of action. I like the combination of prayer and action there. Because if it's just action, I got this. It's prayer, God, please help me. And then, now I need to do something. Not just, oh, I prayed about it, so it'll be fine. No, no, you need to do something. Prayer and action. Matthew Henry. Building upon a rock requires cares and pains. They that would make their calling and election sure must give diligence. They are wise builders who begin to build so as they may be able to finish. And therefore lay a firm foundation. For every bit of time that you've laid aside to take care to reorient, to, to, to say, no, this is how I'm going to build my life. You've sacrificed time, finances, whatever it is. I'm going to say, well done. It is worth it. Right? Some of us who are feeling tired, oh my goodness, I've been doing this for so good. Well done. Keep going. Well, it's worth it. It is worth it. Let's take my word for it. Go back to Matthew chapter 7. Look at what Jesus is saying. It is worth it. Because a flood will come. You may look at houses of people next to you, and you know that those foundations are not on the rock. But that house looks great, doesn't it? That life looks awesome. And you start to think, is this really worth it? Because if I took that time in the mornings and I started to do this, I'm pretty sure I could make some extra. You know, I'm pretty sure I could get, I'm pretty sure I could start that running lifestyle that I've always wanted. It's worth it. Well done. It is worth it. So I want to encourage us to align ourselves with the teachings of Jesus. Call it calibration. You know, when you take an instrument and you, you, you retune it so that it's focused on something, so that when you use it elsewhere, it's being used right. right? Recalibrate your life onto Christ, that as you go out, it's in proper working order. Call it intentionality. Call it reevaluation, whatever it is. And for some of us, it might just be a tweak. And for some of us, we might need to make some big decisions. And so I want, to, I want you to hear the encouragement in there. I don't want you to go away feeling this is just a heavy. There may be some heavy moments. But there may be some, yeah, this is worth it. Well done. So, how do we intentionally do this? Eaton says, we decide to make it happen. We take particular note. Let us... Pray and act. Matthew Henry says, we take constant care to conform to Jesus. Take care and be at pain, he says. Give diligence to depend on him entirely. How do we do that? I wish I could give you a little five-point acronym. Yeah. We'll just file that away, take it home. It's great. No, this is going to take a long time. That's going to take a long time. Hopefully a lifetime of circling back at... Specific times, recalibrate. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just gives you that little, <clears throat> you're like, oh, okay, come back. And sometimes it's good to be intentional. You know, December, January, February, June, halfway break. I don't know, wherever it is. And to say, all right, God, can we just recalibrate? So yes, I think we're in a season of evaluating and calibrating. But I want to encourage us, this is a good practice for our lives. This is good. Those of us who like diaries, yeah, that's a good one, put it in. Those of us who do not, find someone who likes a diary. Go hold you accountable and be like, hey man, it's been a year since we last did that. When was the last time you, you know? Praise God for community. So how do I intentionally, carefully, prayerfully build my life on the rock? That's a good question. I'm going to throw a couple of things out there. The Wednesday night, the videos we're doing with John Mark Kroger, I think those are, those are good. That's a time of self-evaluation, isn't it? Lovely that we can do that in groups. We can talk with one another. I hear someone else say something. I'm, oh, 
I didn't hear him say that, but now that you mention it, that's really good. To be challenged, to be encouraged, to be held accountable. How do I intentionally, carefully, prayerfully build my life on the rock? As Glenn and Greg's take time on sabbatical to recalibrate, to evaluate things. What a wonderful reminder for us to do the same. And so to be praying for them for the next three months as they're on sabbatical. God, speak to them, show them, encourage them, strengthen them, humble them, whatever it is. What about me? Yeah, God, speak to me as well. I want to commend you guys for humbly leading by example. That's not easy to say, hey, we need to get this right, so we're going to take some time out to do it. Not, we're leaders, we got this right. Follow me. No, this is, yeah, we're broken. We're sinful. Sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes it's not sin. No, it's just, I just need to work at some stuff. I'm going to take some time out to do it. It'd be great for us to do some We might not get a sabbatical, but good opportunity in the season to do likewise. I want to encourage us to spend time with Jesus daily. You knew that was coming. Okay, I am, when I say us, I'm putting myself in that boat. If you don't, you don't know me, I'm not employed by the church. I've got a full-time job. I love my job. It's, it's busy. I have to tear myself away from it sometimes. It's a great job. I have a wife. I want to spend time with her. I actually want to spend time with her. I've got three kids that I want to invest in. I want them to get to their adult years not hating me, actually like me. More than that, I want to disciple my kids. I want to set them up for success spiritually in their adult years to have learned good principles of the gospel, to know who Jesus is, to have that model to them. That doesn't just happen. I've got to put time and effort into that, and I certainly need to improve at that. I also have a body that kind of needs some exercise. I'm going to get to age 70 and still be able to move. I, I need to get some healthy food into this body. I still need to have friends as well. I need to do some things to refill my tank. Oh, and I need to spend time with Jesus. Anyone here ever struggle with that? You know, I know some of us, I do envy you guys, just relational, I'm with Jesus like all the time. That's so cool. I, that's hard for me and I think that's hard for some of us. I have to encourage myself and exhort myself, be with Jesus. No, get, get up. No, put that down. Go be with Jesus. After it's like, so glad I did that. In the moment, oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. When I build my life on the rock, how do I carefully and intentionally do that? We're, we're going to be going into an eight-part series, Sunday preachers. We're going to be coming back to the basics of our faith. Right? Just the basics. And as we evaluate our lives, as we calibrate, we can say, oh, okay, if this is central to my faith in Christ, my life geared towards that? Do I believe that? It's an opportunity for us just to come back to the basics, get it right so that we can go out again. How can we intentionally, prayerfully, carefully build our lives on the rock? For some of us, we like like planning, right? So so we've, we've made a little booklet for you. For you, if you're the type of person, I, give me something in my hand, let me, let me plan, let me write, let me pray, let me, okay, cool. This might be for you. Right, so this is it's not compulsory. It's just one of many tools available. And we sometimes call it a blueprint. Right, and it's going to go through things like, what is my purpose? It allows you to define, define, what are my core beliefs? Remind myself, who am I? Right? What are my values? What's my identity? talking about maybe some prophetic words perhaps that will give you some direction and at the end of it you get to set some goals some direction and this might take a little while right one or two of us eight typers might have this done by tonight good praise god love eight typers right but then you can take this and you can put it in your bible you can crack it out in six months time how am i doing am i still going towards this you could give it to someone and say Check in with me in six months' time. You could give it to your life group leader and say, do you think I'm on the right track? You could, I don't know, someone that you look up to. 
Maybe it's just personal. Or maybe you're like, ah, oh, I got it. Okay. Cool. Not putting any pressure on anyone. But if you want something, Justine, thank you so much for making these. At the table at the back, on your way out, these will be available. Pick them up. Have a look. Maybe it will serve you well. But most importantly, I want to encourage us, and I'm finishing with this. I want to encourage us to come to the cross of Jesus. That is central to our faith. Remember that the judgments of God, the flood of God, came on Jesus. He took your flood. He took my flood. He took that judgment for us so that we can stand on Him as our foundation. And so communion is a wonderful opportunity to do that. It's a, it's a serious act. If you would not consider yourself a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you to not do this. It means a lot. We believe it is a powerful, symbolic act. And so this can be difficult. There may be something even right now where you're like, this part of me, this has got to die. And so as Christ died, as his body was broken, as his blood was shed, the bread and the juice, it's an opportunity to say, God, this area of my life I'm giving to you, I'm going to let it die. May it die with Christ. May it be crucified with Christ. That's like a part of us that dies. That's painful. And sometimes there's a lot of joy in this. Because it's like fresh life of Christ. Fresh life that is not your own. That's not from you. That's given to you. And I think sometimes, most of the time actually, communion is a combination of both. There's a part of me that's dying, but it's joyful. It's hard, but ah, oh, so refreshing. So I want to encourage you to do that alone. We're going to take three, four minutes, five minutes. For you to take communion, there's a little cuppy on the top, some little wafer bread underneath the juice, and in a moment, get to do business with God. If things have stood out to you, bring that before Him. Jesus took on your flood so that you could stand on Him as the rock. And after five minutes, I'd like to call us together, and we're going to pray as the Boddingtons go off on sabbatical. I want us to pray together for the three eldership couples as they take on the load as Michiel and Nick take on the leadership of that team for the next three months. And once again, we're going to pray for the Bods just because we love them and we want to pray for you guys that the sabbatical would be a time where God really speaks and blesses and brings life. Let's take communion and I'll call us together in five minutes. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus, thank you so much that you are our rock. Thank you that our lives can be built on you. We want to place our trust in you. Lord, I pray for every person who's come here this morning feeling heavy burden on their shoulders. Thank you, Lord, that you care deeply for them and that you want to take that burden. And I pray for every person here this morning who's felt conviction. God, I pray that you would give them the joy of hope, knowing that with conviction comes life and the opportunity to be obedient to what you've called us to do, to put into practice what you've taught us. God, I thank you for every person who's laid down their life so that they might pick up yours. Thank you for every action, every time where money has been given, where time has been given, where tears have been shed for others, for you. God, thank you that we have this sure and certain confidence, a hope that our lives can stand firm on you one day. Today, tomorrow, and then to eternity. God, we love you. Pray for a spirit of encouragement. 
a spirit of hope. Not optimism, just for the sake of optimism, but optimism that comes out of the confidence knowing that you will do what you have said you will do, and that you are able, and you give us the strength that we do not have. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. We praise you. Can I ask for the eldership couples, please, to come up? Thanks, Matt. So just in light of the season ahead for us, I was just spending time with the Lord, and I kind of felt this portion out of Exodus and Numbers uh, should be familiar to most of us, but really want to just get out of it what the Lord is trying to say to us. Uh, Exodus 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, and both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you, and you cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and the instructions, and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. Great summary of the leader's job. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God and are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will go there uh, to go, go to their home in peace. And so the great miracle from the Old Testament. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did all that he had said. We then see later on in Numbers. So the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel. And so God is speaking as Jethro interpreted. I gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it all by yourself. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. So this was for a specific function. Two men remained in the camp, one named Elidad and the other named Medad, and the Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, uh, one of his chosen men, said, My Lord, Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. And I think Moses' prayer was really answered there, right? As Jesus came and has poured his spirit out upon all of mankind, and those who put their trust and their hope in Jesus. But there is a reality of us not wanting to depend upon ourselves and upon our own giftings in order to fulfill the ministry that God has for us. Surely our dependency is upon the Spirit of God to empower us to do all these things. And so as we go on sabbatical, uh, we don't want to go assuming that this incredible eldership team and the rest of the leaders within this community have what it takes to lead this church, because we don't. It is the Holy Spirit who is leading this church. It is His church. And so as we go and, and are making space uh, for God to do something in this community and I do really believe that this is of God I don't think this is by accident uh, yes sure we are human and are, are fallible but I do think that God is turning all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes and so I have a real sense that God is wanting to take his spirit the spirit of leadership the spirit of uh, seeing his people operate and function within community and I believe over the next few months we're going to see a massive increase and the Holy Spirit at work through the people of liberty. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God really has space for you to operate and to fulfill a function? Yeah. This isn't just about standing by and going, Kiff, leaders, get on with it. But to actually say, Holy Spirit, empower me. Call me to do what you're calling me to do. And let's get on with this thing. And so I do truly believe that this is of God. 
as we're all being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus. That's what He wants for us. And so we want to, as we go for the next few months, is to really lay hands on the elders uh, in a nice biblical way, not the other way, uh, but to ask the Holy Spirit to empower them for the functions uh, that He has called each one of them to do. Uh, it's been amazing to see already the support over the last while um, and seeing each of the eldership couples find the space which they're going to own. Um, Matt and Linz just taking the preaching side of things um, and looking forward to uh, preparing that for us for the rest of the year. And Nick and Ings, as we know, are, are heading up uh, Sunsurf, which is already a ministry that God has for them. And so uh, over the next season, really gearing all their energies and efforts towards that. Uh, and Magoo and Nick, obviously, um, going to be holding the steering for us um, as we go for the next three months. Uh, just really dependent upon the Holy Spirit for all of those functions. And so God has something for you. There's a space opening up for you. And I'm wanting to, when we return, to see the Holy Spirit massively at work through you in this space. And so we'd love to gather around the Kavaruses first. If they could come a little bit more to the middle. Yeah. Cool. And let us, with great faith, uh, look toward our God. Our Heavenly Father, what an incredible season it is that lies ahead. And it's incredible because we're following you. We know that you have great plans and purposes for us, Lord. We know that the foundation of liberty is not built upon Glenn and Greg and Lord. It's built upon Jesus. And you have specific gifts. You have specific persons who you want to equip and strengthen for the season ahead, Lord. And so we want to, as with Moses, lay hands on them and ask your spirit to be upon them. Well, this is not just their gifting. It's not just their personalities. It's not their, their types, Lord. It is your Holy Spirit which needs to open their eyes in discernment. We ask for your heavenly authority to be upon them, Lord. Not a controlling authority, but one that speaks the very words of Jesus. Not to be the mediator between people and God, Jesus, that is you alone. But to be those who do still steer people toward Jesus, who teach people toward Jesus, who show people Jesus. And Lord, it is only by your Spirit that we can say that Jesus is Lord. And so would your Spirit equip them? Lord, you know what the next three months hold. We don't even know, Lord. And so with that spirit, the discerning spirit, the one who is building his church, be upon them, we ask in the name of Jesus. Oh, beautiful God, it's, it's about you. It's all about you, Lord. We find ourselves up here because of you, Lord God. We walk this road because of you. And we love you and we honor you. And Nick and Michiel love you and honor you. And we have laid their lives down. And you have brought them here for such a time as this. And, and we are so um, grateful for that, Lord. And I thank you, God, that there's a purpose and a plan for these three months, Lord God. That you are taking Glenn and I out of the picture for a while and putting them here. There's a specific reason. And thank you for that, Lord God. And so I pray that... Um, and they would just enjoy this time, Lord God, that as they partner with you, they go on the most incredible adventure um, with you. Lord, I thank you that this body is a beautiful body, Lord. I thank you that this body is going to surround them, Lord, and, and blow wind in their sails as they have to us, Lord God. We just pray your protection um, over this time, Lord. Uh, that Satan will not come in and steal and destroy, but instead it would be a time of regrouping, Lord, a time of um, going forward in this new direction. I see like a new little green leaf sprouting out of this, uh, this tree that you've made, this vine that you've made. And God, look, we look forward to the growth that's going to come from, from this time, Lord God. Uh, thank you for your blessing and thank you for your hand and thank you that you are a good and loving and kind and wonderful God. Mm. Lord, I thank you for the Coley's and just the call that you have on their lives. Uh, God, how specific you have created every individual for the purposes that you've made them for. Uh, you are not a God who does things by accident. You're intentional, Lord. And you've wired them both specifically for this season and for the task uh, which you have given them to do. And so God, we, do, we ask for clarity of mind. Lord, I ask that they would share the mind of Christ, Lord, as we uh, read in Romans, Lord, that we would not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as they hold the mantle of the preached word in this church, Lord, would it, would it help to renew our minds? Lord, would you speak to them that they may, that they may know your heart for us? 
to see our minds transformed, that we may know your will, and more than just know it, but actually get on with the task of obedience to you, that we may build upon the foundation of Christ. And Jesus, your foundation wasn't just knowing God, it was being obedient to Him. And so we want to build upon you, Jesus. We don't want to build upon sand. We've been through the last few years of trying times, Lord. The storms have come, and much of our foundations have been revealed. God, would the season be one where we give concerted effort to the foundations. And would Matt and Lynn lead us in that process, God. Equip them, God. I ask for your authority upon them in the Word. That it wouldn't just be preparing for the bride, but it would be transforming them. Ensuring their foundations. That there would be those going ahead of us, Lord. But following after the pillar in the cloud. Following after you. Jesus, would you build this church upon your word? And would you use Matinins for that, we ask in your precious name. Amen. Just for Mick and Ings, um, a while earlier on this year, uh, Michelle had a word for Mick. Uh, and I actually want to just be obedient to that and actually process that a bit now. And then she wrote this, Mick, you are a gift from God to us with your Father's heart. He wants to give you personally more gifts. Jeremiah 15, 16. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. As I asked the Lord what he was saying, he focused on the heart, this Father's heart he has given you. God wants to give you an even greater Father's heart for people. He wants to refresh your heart and pour giftings in there that you have not experienced before. I encourage you to receive it from God as others pray for you. I had a sense that others were to lay hands on you and pray for this gifting to be poured in. And as you are in an attitude to receive all God has for you, He will pour more of His giftings into your heart. Then I had a picture of a small heart that has been grown into a bigger red and pulsating heart, healthy and full of life. Then came into my mind, John 7, 38-39, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this He meant the Spirit, those whom, uh, those, whom those who believe in Him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. To me, this verse was focused on your heart again. And then he brought to mind that just like natural seeds need water to grow, what God has planted in us needs water to grow, the water of the Holy Spirit. So I want to just honor that in this moment of praying. Our great King, our great Father, who has such a heart that he desires that none should be lost, Lord, we pray that your heart would come upon Mick in ever greater measure. Lord, we know just his fatherness about him, who uh, is able to mentor so many, who uh, many young men have come to seek his counsel. And God, while that is right and good in you, I ask for an increased measure of your spirit upon him. As we enter into the season and even this year where Mick and Inga both uh, turn their attention more and more on sunset and ministering there with the gifts you've placed in them. Lord, with the Father's heart beats ever stronger in mixed chest, Lord. It's not something we can muster up. We know it is by your Spirit, which takes out our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to anoint him, to anoint anger for the season ahead. Lord, would his intimate moments with you spill out into the moments with others, that he wouldn't be counseling others just as someone who uh, people come to seek, that he would counsel others toward you, Jesus. He would kind of be the mediator in that process, but not that he would remain in that place, but they would turn to you to find the true Father. But somehow finding in that process that his heart is growing more and more to become like yours. Lord, we lift him up before you. We remember him. We want to honor this word from Michelle. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and do a deep work in him? Lord, as Inga by his side, would you anoint her, Lord? Ask for that prophetic voice of hers to grow louder, that you would speak through her, even into mixed life, Lord. That she would get a hint of your heart and be able to speak that into Mick, and that they would team together well through the season. Lord, what a great gift it is to know that we are surrounded by such great saints in this church. Great clouds of witnesses, of those who've laid their lives down for you, who've counted the cost and have said, yes, Jesus, it is worth the cost to follow you. I ask that your spirit would be upon us all over this season, Lord. 
Lord, you are not a respecter of men. You're not a respecter of women. It is your spirit you give out freely to all who desire and come to you thirsty. So may this even just be a picture for all of us that your spirit is available and you are willing to give to all who ask. God, let this be a season where we are increasingly hungry for you, hungry for your spirit, hungry to be, be obedient to all that you are calling us to. And we would count the cost and every single one of us lay down our lives for the cause of Christ. We love you. We commit this church. We commit every single person in this church. We commit the Helderberg into your hands and say, God, use us as you deem fit. We love you and look forward to seeing all that you do in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, folks. Folks, I know uh, it's been a long one. Thank you. Would you stand to your feet with me? And we just want to send the bods off and commission into our, our king's care. Um, that you would use this time and then we'll close. So would you stretch out your hands if you want to, you're welcome to come lay your hands on them, but wherever you are, that's just so fine. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for the years of committed service to your kingdom and to your lordship and for this, the countless hours of, of walking long roads with many people in this room for hours of preparation and investments. Uh, and God, as they, as they take time to refocus on you and in each other, we ask Holy Spirit that you would come, even right now, that you would fall upon them. God, it is you that, that, that rules and, and, and controls and changes hearts and minds. And you are clearly leading them. We thank you for your, your hand on them. We thank you for their obedience and stepping into this time of rest and recalibration. And God, we pray, Spirit, come upon them. Come upon them. Would you fill them? Would you... Would you take them on this journey and would it be clear that you are the one that is leading them? Thank you that you have ordained this time. We, we, we commit it into your care. We commit them into your care. We pray for the Boddington family. We commit them into your care. Would you use us as a community to be loving on them, to be uh, praying for them? God, would you not take your hand from them? Would you keep them near to you? Would this be a fruitful time, we pray? Would they, would they be enriched with their... Would their marriage and their family and their ministry be enriched from this time? We pray for your infilling. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, folks.